You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Dennis Kennedy. I'm a co-host of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Today's show is being recorded on location during the ABA's Law Practice Division's fall meeting at the U.S. Grand Hotel in downtown San Diego, California. We're here to cover this event and its highlights for you, our listeners. Joining me now is Tom Mile from Dallas, Texas. Tom is the co-host of the Kennedy Mile Report, not surprisingly, and among many other duties with the Law Practice Division over the years, is currently the chairman of the uh, publishing board. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, Dennis. Good to see you. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you about your professional career. Maybe talk a, a little bit more in more detail about your long involvement with the ABA. For the benefit of our audience, uh, where do you work and what do you do, uh, both in your work life and for the ABA? Sure. So my path to where I am has been a little a little twisty. I uh, I, I was a practicing lawyer for 18 years uh, at a defense firm in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I always enjoyed helping lawyers with technology more than bringing in clients and billable hours. And so I sort of evolved into the legal technology court support coordinator at our firm. And uh, after that was and that kind of what led me to the ABA. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, that led me out to become a consultant. I've been a consultant for the last six years, uh, first for an e-discovery company. Now I work for a company called Contoral. We actually don't work a ton in the legal field. We mostly work with in-house legal departments, helping them establish information governance programs, records management, privacy, litigation readiness, helping them get control of all of their information and, and making sure that it's secure and they're keeping it for the right amount of time. And then what do you do? Uh, I mean, you've been involved in the ABA for a long time, and you've actually chaired the Law Practice Division. So maybe talk about your involvement with the, the ABA's Law Practice Division. Sure. I don't think I've been in as long as you have. I, uh, I came in probably 2003, I think is when it was, uh, and I got in through ABA Tech Show Board. I was asked to be a member of the ABA Tech Show Board. I served on that for four years. I was chair of ABA Tech Show 2008. Um, I got sucked into doing all sorts of other stuff with the with the division, being on the chair of the ed board. Someone then said, would you ever consider being chair of the, the section then, law practice management section? Now it's the law practice division. I said, why not? And uh, so four years later, I was chair, I think, 2011, 2012. Um, I'm sticking around still, and, and I'm now working, uh, helping publish the, uh, the, the, the division's books on law practice management titles. And then you've always been involved in sort of the, the writing side of, of ABA. That's how I got to know you as being one of the legendary early bloggers and then uh, getting the chance to write with you in the webzine and other things, and we, we did the book together. So maybe to build up to talking about what we do in publishing, you might talk about how uh, the Law Practice Vision really offers a great platform for people who want to write about law practice management topics. I agree completely. That's what I. That's what attracts me the most to this group of people is is that we are focused on creating and delivering really great educational content for lawyers on just about any topic of law practice management. Now, you and I, we spend most of our time talking about technology, but there are other people who are spending time talking about finance and marketing and general management of a law firm, and I really in, enjoy the different outlets we've had. Like you said, I've been blogging for, I guess now, 12 years almost. Um, we've, You and I have written a book for the for the 
division on collaboration. Um, we've I remember doing that when you mentioned the webzine. We did that roundtable with a bunch of people talking about all sorts of things. E-discovery way back when. That's a long time ago. Uh, but uh, there are opportunities to blog. There are opportunities to write articles for the magazine. There's opportunities to write books. We give CLEs on a regular basis. And um, we're always, I think, the, the one of the things that, that I'm kind of in a position to do now is to help attract new blood and new people to the division who are interested in talking about and learning about these things so that we can help then they can help us develop content and, and we can start to distribute that to even more lawyers yeah I mean I think it's a great a great the way it works as a as a platform that's an opportunity for people who want to write on these topics it really gives them a nice outlet with a pretty big audience where they can get started and they can kind of build their writing into something more substantial whether it be a column or anything like that. So sort of the big thing in writing and what you're working on now is is the book publishing program. Do you want to talk sort of generally about what the division does in the way of publishing? So the law practice, I guess law practice management section publishing board um, for a long period of time has been really the premier publishing outlet of the American Bar Association. We have published, I think, more books than most most groups do every year. And, um, and we publish somewhere between 10 and 20 books a year on law practice management topics. We, uh, we have a very large publishing board that meets regularly to discuss new books, to come up with ideas for books. We review proposals from folks that uh, submit proposals. Uh, But we are uh, engaged primarily in... um, both acquiring content um, from outside or from our members. Uh, They're both great sources of of books. Uh, And then we help develop that content. We help work with the author as they're they're writing it. We review the content, make sure that it's appropriate for publication, um, help with the actual production and publication of the book, and then help to promote it via various social media and other marketing outlets once it's been produced. And I think some lawyers are surprised by the types of books that we do. So uh, we don't really do substantive law books with maybe a few exceptions. Could you sort of talk maybe about the range of of topics that the books will cover and and that probably goes to the sort of the four pillars of the law practice division. Right. And 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 one of the things I've always said about the law practice division when you think about the broader ABA is that uh, you know the tax lawyers stay in the tax section, the business lawyers stay with business law, but law practice belongs to everybody. Everybody in every part of the ABA needs to know how to run their practice, how what the business of, of law happens to be. And and so our books aren't substantive. They won't have case law or citations or lots of theory in them. Uh, our stuff is designed to be really practical, how to get in and do certain things. And, and like you mentioned, we have the four pillars of, of law practice management, which are technology, finance, marketing, and general management. And we try to offer resources on how lawyers can, you know, one of the things we talk about and preach is that law schools, although they are getting better, traditionally do not do a good job of training lawyers for those areas, for how to run a business. They come out, theoretically, being able to practice law and do that, but they can't run a business, and that's kind of where we want to fill the gap. So we are looking at books that help them 
use technology better, learn how to write bills that clients rush to pay, learn how to do trust accounting, all sorts of things on finance. I know that would be helpful to me if I were practicing law because I was a liberal arts major in college and uh, know nothing about finance. Uh, we help with marketing, not only with the how-to marketing, but also the ethical issues that are involved with marketing. Um, and then just the general overall management, how to hire people, how to be a leader in your firm, how to uh, how, how to actually run a business uh, the way that companies run their businesses. And I've always thought that what uh, law practice division gave me and what we sort of excel at is it's a great resource when you're making a transition, perhaps either to the next step of your career, the next stage. So you're going from a, maybe you're going out on your own. Uh, so you're going transitioning from firm to solo. You're solo. You're growing to small firm. You're changing. You know, you're going from associate to partner. It's really great resources for that really critical point of transition in your career. Um, and there's some recent titles, and, and maybe it's good to give some examples, but I was thinking specifically when you were answering the other question about the new new edition of our Flying Solo book, which is a great uh, resource, I think, for uh, not just the, the new lawyer coming out who either is forced to or wants to be a solo, but for other people transitioning to solo. Uh, and so that might be a good book to, to illustrate some of the types of things we try to cover. Well, I think that it's it should be no secret that uh, that law firms of I think ten and under or whatever make up the biggest portion of of, of law firms that are out there, and so many lawyers have been going solo, uh, even six years in past the the recession and all the financial troubles that lawyers have been going through. We're still finding lawyers going out on their own, hanging out their own shingle, and not really having an understanding of what to do. And I think that our resources for solo lawyers and small firm lawyers tend to be some of our strongest. Uh, we have lots of great resources, and flying solo is an example of that. It's now in its fifth edition. Uh, we've published it five times. This one, uh, I think that uh, if, you, if you look at the cover, uh, the theme this year is the ultralight. Uh, it's, it's that air travel and air, airplanes have changed, and this is kind of a more streamlined approach to looking at uh, opening a solo practice, but it is by no means a skimpy book. It is a very substantial book um, that really covers the major issues that lawyers need to think about when they're opening their own practice. They need to think about operations, how to rent space versus buying space, the, uh, how to hire individuals, what kind of technology do I need to look at when I'm opening a, a law firm, what are the new technologies that I need to be aware of, and what are some of the issues, um, what are the new marketing tools that I can use, and then again, with the, ending with that fourth pillar, uh, how, do I, how do I manage the finances of my firm, considering that I may not have ever worked in finance or done that before. It's, I think it's a really great resource, and, and traditionally we've had readers who've come back and said, that's the Bible, that's what I use to start my practice. Uh, and uh, that, that and sort of the iconic How to Build and Start a Law Firm by Jay Foonberg kind of are the two books that, that we've seen being very popular for lawyers who want to start a firm. And I've noticed too about our books, a lot of times you hear people say, this book was the key to making the change I wanted exactly. in my yep. career. You also might talk about, I don't think a lot of people understand how practical the books are. And I think the our In One Hour series of books is a great illustration of of what we tried to do to make it really practical and really focused for people, for lawyers to give them, or, or actually anybody in the legal profession, to to focus on something, to learn it quickly, to you know get enough to get going so they develop some comfort or, or some 
confidence in what they're doing in a certain area of either technology or a particular part of law practice management. Let's be honest. You and I know from giving the tech, the our podcast, from doing our podcast, that most lawyers aren't comfortable around technology. They're not early adopters. They don't dive in and, and embrace it fully. And and that really is, as far as I'm concerned, what the brilliance of the one-hour books that we have are, is that they recognize that lawyers need to be able to get to the basics. How do I do this quickly? How do I do it easily? I don't have a lot of time because I've got to go back to practicing law. And so we give them a book that says, here's how to set up a website. And, and we call it an hour book. It's, we're, 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 we're misleading a little bit in that it's probably going to take you an hour or two to read the book. But it's not a long read. It's a very accessible language. It's very easy to follow. You can set up a blog in an hour. You can use an iPad in an hour. You can use Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook, any of the social media tools. Um, most of our one-hour books lend themselves to technology, but uh, we have a legal project management in an hour. Uh, there are a number of other hour books that uh, we've recognized that the busy lawyer really just needs the basics. Here's what I need to get done. Here's the, here's the practical advice that can help me, and we find that these shorter one-hour books really help with that. And then I think you also might want to mention the authors we get, which in a lot of cases I think are probably the go-to people in a, in a, giving, in a given subject matter. Well, I think that's one of the th- ways that we're fortunate is that because it's the American Bar Association and it's the Law Practice Division, which really is, if not the premier, one of the premier resources for law practice management resources, um, we attract a lot of talent. We attract a lot of people who are interested in giving CLEs. Uh, ABA Tech Show continues to be one of the finest legal technology conferences and draws incredible technology talent to, to do things. But but the people that write the books for us, we are able to find, I think, um, really people at the top of their game, people who are known for the topics that we are writing in. These aren't just folks who are, who are uh, sitting around playing with technology. These are people who are very serious about it. They understand it. They're experts in it. Um, they're talking regularly, speaking on the topic regularly all over the country. And, um, and they're really turning out some good content. I mean, you sometimes get the question of, does it make sense to get a book on, say, technology? I mean, what's, we both have written books on technology. What's your answer to, like, why would, why would a lawyer want to buy a book about technology rather than just start using it. They've already invested in the technology. Why buy a book? So that's a, that's a long question, Dennis. I take, that's going to take me a while to parse that out, but I'm going to give a lawyer's answer first and say that uh, two years ago, uh, the ABA revised its model rules of professional conduct, and in the comments now to the duty of comp- competence, the, the rule that a lawyer be competent to represent the client, there is now a requirement that a lawyer understand the risks associated with the technology that they use on behalf of the client. And so if anything... There's an ethical obligation, arguably. We haven't seen it come out that often. We don't see stories about lawyers being sanctioned for not using technology correctly under this new rule. But arguably, the law is now recognizing and the the ethics rules are recognizing that lawyers need to be able to um, understand the technology they use. So it's not enough to just start using it. You just can't get into it. It it may be one thing to just start using Microsoft Outlook, but if you don't realize that just typing a few letters in in an email can send a confidential letter to the completely wrong person because you've got autocorrect turned on. If you don't understand autocorrect, if you just start using it, that's going to get you in a world of hurt. Um, that's, part of, that's, that's part of why we think it's important to have a guide that shows you how to work through all of that, how to, uh, how to understand 
how the technology works because if you're not understanding how it works, it can really kind of get you in trouble, I think. It has that potential. And then we just uh, had our publishing board meeting. So what are the sort of hot topics these days, new book titles coming out, things that are maybe in the pipeline that, that would interest people? So I'll, I'll go, I'm going to look backward and then I'm going to look forward. So the, the books that have come out lately that we're most excited about, you mentioned one of them. We've talked about one of them before, and that's the, the new edition of F- Flying Solo. Uh, we have a couple of books now on alternative fees that we're really excited about. They're not long reads. They're very, they're very concise and, and practical ways to approach alternative fees. One's for business lawyers. And one's for litigators. So if you are a business lawyer or a litigator, these are great books to pick up and understand the basics of how to start thinking about implementing alternative fees in your practice. We are also um, getting some great traction with a, with a book by Carol Levitt, and um, I think her name is Judy Davis. It's called Internet Legal Research on a Budget. It's for lawyers who want to be able to get out and take advantage of the, and, of the Internet, but they don't want to sign up for big subscriptions to the legal research services. They're good, free, and low-cost ways to uh, to do legal research. Those are some of the books that have come out recently that we're really excited about. If we look at some of the upcoming books, I have to say that the, the, the books that I'm most excited about are the ones that are coming out, scheduled to come out around ABA Tech Show time. And there, uh, we have a couple of new editions. We have our uh, virtual law book, the new edition of that book. Uh, we have uh, the uh, a book, uh, new edition of the 2015 Solo and Small Firm Guide to Legal Technology, which is always one of our most popular books with lawyers trying trying to understand it's kind of a a consumer reports of legal technology saying here's what the lawyers, a good solo and small firm, uh, should have in the way of technology each year. Uh, we're looking for some new titles. We've got a book coming out on PC law, so those of you who use PC law might find that interesting. And another one that I think we're, we're interested in is a book called Encryption Made Simple. Uh, encryption is a topic that is getting a lot more uh, traction these days with the NSA and with security issues coming along. And so uh, what, what are, the authors are trying to do is to try to take a fairly complicated subject and make it a lot more more um, approachable and a lot easier to understand so that lawyers can start to use encryption, start to protect information that they, uh, that they are keeping on behalf of their clients. Those are, I think, just a few of the books that I'm looking forward to uh, coming out. Those probably won't be coming out till ABA Tech Show time, which is in April, I think, of 2015. And then when you say books, you mean both paper books and e-books and, I guess, potentially to multimedia type book uh, formats. Um, are, are we seeing a transition from paper to electronic yet, or is that just something people like to talk about but hasn't really happened yet? You know, I think that if it's just us sitting around talking, uh, those of us here in the division, we are all demonstrate a preference for uh, electronic over the paper. But if you look at the way that sales have been going, uh, paper books are still more popular. Paper books still sell better than e-books. Uh, I'm s- constantly surprised when I talk to people about our books and they're not aware that they exist in ebook format. Uh, so I think that for these legal books, I, I, you know, I think that, that the world is comfortable living in a Kindle world of, of downloading an, a, a Kindle book for their, uh, for their iPad or for their Kindle. Um, I think lawyers are still <laughs> kind of following along that curve and aren't quite there yet. They're still more comfortable with the paper books in their hands, but that's fine. We'll, we'll however we need to get the information to them. We, we, try to make that information available in as many formats as we can to make it as useful as possible. And then if we have somebody who's listening who thinks they have a book inside them that needs to come out, 
to just get in touch with us? Do they write a proposal? Do, what's the process to get yourself considered? So no question, we're always looking for new authors. We, we, we don't know all of all the people who might be listening to this who have a book on law practice management on one of the four topics, uh, four pillars that we were talking about. Uh, the process is, is fairly straightforward. Uh, we have a, uh, on the law practice divisions page, there's a proposal uh, page where you can submit, a, you can download a proposal, fill it out, and submit it. Um, if I think there are ways through the Legal Talk Network site to get in touch with me. If you want to just get in touch with me and ask questions, uh, our typical process is that you submit a proposal, the publishing board uh, considers it, uh, looks at it, uh, determines the business case for it, makes sure, sure that it's going to be a successful book, uh, maybe comes back and asks some questions, asks for some things to change about the proposal. Uh, but then once it's accepted, uh, then you're writing a book. And uh, it, it's, it's a, it can be a lengthy process depending on how long the book is going to last how long you plan to write the book but uh, getting in and, and actually doing the proposal is not a terribly difficult process it's pretty straightforward it just takes a little bit of time to to work through it and is there any question i've forgotten that you're sitting there thinking when is dennis going to ask me about i think you've been surprisingly thorough in the questions <laughs> that you've asked i mean i think that that's really what uh, what i wanted to talk about today was about how uh one of the best ways that law practice division provides content to not only its members but to anybody because this is open to anybody. You don't have to be a member of the ABA. You don't have to be a member of the law practice division to take advantage of any of this content. It's all available to anybody. And if you are looking for ways to help uh, make your practice better, whether it's the technology, making it work for your clients better, learning how to be more efficient in drafting bills or collecting fees or any of the financial aspects, if you just looking to, to run the business better, this, these are some great resources and the books are a really, really good place to start. And then maybe you could, to me, I, I just think that if you're a member of the ABA, the extra $50 to join the law practice division is some of the best money you would ever spend, especially if you decide to get involved in, in the division. So maybe to, to wrap up, you could maybe talk about some of the highlights and the benefits that you've gotten from being part of the law practice division over the years. Well, you know, what I've gotten out of it is so there's so many things I've gotten out of it. I've Because it's a national organization, because the people here are from all over the place, I feel like I'm known outside of my little area in Dallas for the, for the things that I feel passionate about. Um, I think that the best thing that I've got out of it, I don't want to denigrate the people here because they're all fantastic people, but we all kind of um, love the same things. I feel like we're the island of misfit toys in a way because we all have that feeling of uh, we, we appreciate things that, you know, for, for whether it's right or wrong, a lot of lawyers just don't appreciate. They don't appreciate the fine points of how to run a law practice. And these people here get it. They're passionate. They're committed. They are brilliant in what they're doing. They understand it. And it's that's really been the best part is just the networking and the camaraderie of people who really understand the importance of what we're trying to do. Right. It's, I think you find that an important part of your practice and your life where you're looking to make a transition to take a big step, you find the other people who've either done that done or it. have the same interest. They can tell you what to think about. Exactly and, right. And you're not, as you said, sort of the one person at your firm yep. who who is interested in this and everybody not paying attention to you. You, you find the like-minded uh, people and who are doing some, some really great things. Well, Tom, I think as usual, we've gone over time. Uh, so I, I want to I thank Tom for joining us today. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. And uh, if our listeners have questions or wish to follow up with you, how can they reach you? 
Well, I think you can reach me through the Legal Talk Network site. Um, I think you can send me a tweet. I'm at Tom Mile. Uh, I think those are probably the best ways to get in touch with me. And this has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Dennis Kennedy. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Consult a lawyer.